Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. We are here at the back end of Innovation Conference in Phoenix. And again, I have another amazing guest with us today. Chave Cortadelas from Gatorade is with us today. So welcome, Chave. Thanks. Thanks for hosting me. You know, we are literally at the backyard of the back-end innovation. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a beautiful day here in Phoenix. Chavi's uh, doing a talk later on at the conference, and we're excited to hear a little bit more about that. But I figured I'd get him on the, on the show today, talk a little bit about what's going on at Gatorade. If you think about PepsiCo and, and all the new changes and in innovation that is going on in a space that's been around forever, beverages. Chavi, for the audience, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the company and innovation specifically? I have been uh, working with uh, Gatorade for the last seven years and a half. My title is Head of Innovation and Design. What this means, especially on the innovation side, is I'm more in charge of the breakthrough and reframe platforms. That's not traditional innovation and kind of adding new flavors and, you know, incremental innovation. My focus is more on the new stuff, how we could expand Gatorade beyond what it is today that could be in newer spaces, for instance, sports nutrition, but also could be going into technology, into services, etc. My background is I'm a designer, so I'm not a theoretical guy in terms of innovation. I'm more kind of hands-on, problem-solving type of guy. But, you know, what I don't know, I partner with the right guys who are smarter than me and bring the right theoretical and technical knowledge uh, to make innovation happen. That's, that's my approach. So Gatorade has launched a number of new product lines in the recent past. Can you talk a little bit about how did that start? What was kind of the genesis behind that? And then what was the process that you undertook to get and release these new products into the market? Yeah, we, Gatorade, it's an interesting case, right? So Gatorade invented the category of sports drinks 50 years ago, and we have been the leaders in the market forever. You know, when you have an 80% share of your category, if you want to grow, you need to look at different spaces, right? It will be super hard to grow in uh, your core business. So that forced Gatorade to start looking you know, beyond its core. And it's interesting when you have a brand that it's part of the DNA of a sports in, in America, you could do a lot of things. So I think for us, it's more the challenge and you know, figure out what are the right things to do and then have the patience and the perseverance to get into these spaces while at the same time, we keep our business, our core, and you know on what we do, and keep innovating uh, there, and keep the leadership, but kind of looking outside of our core business and kind of figure out what's there, and what could be our point of view in terms of winning on these spaces. So talk to a little bit about the last couple of years. You know, again, you've launched a number of different new products. Ta- tell us a little bit about those new products and, and how they came to be. We started this journey on, uh, on innovation back in 2010, 2011 with the launch of uh, G-Series. So, you know, basic concept, right? So if today I'm dominating on a sports drinks, I could expand my portfolio for products designed specifically for before and after the athletic occasion. That could be, you know, more on energy drinks, recovery shakes, stuff like that. That, that was the first step. And then back in 2015, we kind of changed a little bit our approach and said, okay, now we are the sports fuel company. Therefore, we want to provide solutions for the 24-7 athlete, right? That's a 
bold statement, but basically what it means is that we are okay to provide nutrition, sports nutrition products for athletes throughout the day. That means that we could be playing in multiple spaces. We could do yogurt, we could do, you know, protein shakes, we could do protein powders, we could do, you know, energy bars, etc. So that has been kind of the first iteration and on, on our expansion. We have put a lot of products out there. Some of them have worked very well, others don't. So I think it's, you know, back to my comment on it's about perseverance, but we believe that we have the right to win on that space. And now we are, I will say, on the third wave of this innovation, that it's to start transcending into services. So we said, okay, what if instead of just providing the products to our athletes, we could also provide the intelligence, the knowledge on the sports nutrition that could be wearables, that could be feeling plans, that could be recovery tips, etc that for a CPG company, it's a very interesting transformation, right? So kind of moving from products to services and how to monetize these services and how to provide value. I think that we have not cracked the code yet, but we are on this journey now. So talk a little bit about your team and, and uh, both inside the organization as well as the partners and that you work on the outside. How does this all come together to actually make things work? I define my role a little bit as, as the quarterback of the team, right? So we have relatively small team as part of the marketing organization, and in order to deliver innovation, we basically need to kind of corral all the different groups that are touching innovation. So we have a daily relationship with the R&D organization, and we work there with product developers, with packaging engineers, with our scientists that come up with the right science ingredients, etc. That's one area of innovation that we work with these guys daily. We work also with external design agencies that help us to articulate the vision, the idea, the process, etc. We also work with external tech agencies, kind of coders, digital developers, etc. That's a knowledge that we don't have inside the house. And we also work with external companies. If we are developing sensors, and that's not our core business, we look for the company that has the right sensor, the right wearable, etc., and we partner with them. So all these guys together in kind of cross-functional teams, all of that, all of us trying to wear the same hat and kind of it doesn't really matter if you are the agency or the client or R&D or marketing or scientist, it's kind of we are all the Gatorade team and try to uh, deliver useful stuff. And then uh, last but not least, a very important pillar on uh, our innovation process is uh, the sports marketing team. We work a lot with uh, professional teams, so we need always these middlemen, our sports marketing team, to help us to approach these teams, provide value to these teams, interpret what they are looking for, etc. So that's basically the, the approach on uh, kind of big teams, but big, you know, cross-functional teams led by a relatively small innovation team. And you have a very interesting opportunity because you, you do work with the best teams in the world and the best athletes in the world and, and what those particular customers require may be different than the general population, Absolutely. but... But understanding what those needs are and then applying that towards the general market, I imagine that's both beneficial and challenging. When do you know that you're on track when you're working with an elite athlete and how is that going to apply to the everyday Joe who's just out there running? I love the work with professional teams. Obviously, it's a cool part of the job, no question. It's kind of you are working with the best of the best. That's something very rewarding for the team. But there is something also that I like on, on these environments is that there is no BS, right? It's kind of with these professional teams, if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, you are out of the locker room. There is no patience to incubate, try new things, etc. Or it works, it doesn't work. So in a way, it puts us kind of a, a high bar in terms of kind of delivering uh, meaningful innovation. It sometimes complicates things, but then helps us that then when you want to cascade this down, 
to the everyday athlete is that, okay, these work with a professional team, so probably simplifying this thing a little bit, making it more approachable, etc. We have the right to win also with consumers. Everything that works with professional teams will, will work with the everyday athlete. Absolutely not, because the needs are different. But I think that we are getting a lot of insights and things that are on the front edge in terms of innovation, etc. from these top guys that then could easily be cascaded to everyday athletes. So are two different cohorts, but there are a lot of commonalities and a lot of differences. But I think that we have enough experience working with both just to filter and kind of, okay, what works with this guy, maybe we'll be different with this guy, this element could be common. So we, we know how to play there. You mentioned you can go a lot of different ways with the types of products and that. How do you take that large universe of ideas and that and then prioritize which ones you're going to try first or, or last or how does that work? Yeah, as, as Eric was saying yesterday, at the end, the final metric is money, is business, right? We are not an NGO, so we are trying to come up with products or services that at the end could drive revenue. So definitely the size of the price, it's uh, definitely one key factor when, when we talk about uh, priorities, etc. But interestingly for us, there is another component that it's kind of the what we call the equity play is innovation that could be relatively niche, but could be a good story for us that, you know, could help drive innovation credentials for the brand to start tapping into certain spaces that maybe today we don't have the credibility that we want to have. So we have room for these projects as well. So that's filter number two. And then filter number three, it's obviously the complexity piece, right? So it's kind of, okay, it is a good idea, but do I have the right capabilities in terms of manufacturing, go-to-market, etc., to win on this space, yes or no. I will say that this third one is probably the most challenging one because we are very good doing certain things, but we have no idea on how to do other things. But if you only stay on your core, then there is no way to innovate. So there is always kind of a permanent push and pull, generates some tension. But if playing with these uh, three variables and having very open conversations with uh, our cross-functional peers, kind of the finance team, leadership in the organization, etc., normally we come up with kind of good consensus on what are the projects that we should be prioritizing. And do you take a venture-backed approach where you're looking at particular projects, you're iterating, experimenting on those particular ones, and you know doubling down on the ones that are working? What's the kind yes. of the process from that perspective? Yes, ab- absolutely. So we have many big corporations. We have kind of the typical stage gate that, that helps us on the discipline and kind of killing things that do not work, etc. But then even prior to the stage gate, what we try to do is a lot of, you know, on the front end of the innovation process, try to do as many iterations as possible and kind of exploring different variations on concepts, etc., just to go through the stage gate on the ones that we believe that we have the right to win. We are always right, no, but I'm a strong believer that if you apply the right discipline at front, then your chances to you know, be successful as you go through stage gate increase dramatically. So you've been at this for a little while. What are some of the biggest pitfalls that you've seen yourself or other teams make that you could give as advice to new innovators in the world today? Yeah, to give advice, that's a strong word because, you know, I'm very humble here and think that sometimes we have been lucky, sometimes we have been unlucky, etc. I will say on, in terms of pitfalls, there is one clearly that is this tension between core business and adjacent uh, business. I think that you need to figure out a way to do both without alienating each other and be very conscious that this Jensen business, they will take time. So it's kind of, it's a little bit kind of uh, like a baby, right? You need to foster, you need to take care of it, etc. It will be become a strong guy at, at the end, but it kind of at the beginning, you need to overprotect and try to isolate this Jensen business of whatever is happening on the core business. 
that's risk number one. And then risk number two, I will say is probably on, you know, when you are untapping on new territories, embrace complexity as it comes. It's kind of, maybe your first idea was not the right one, that's okay. It's kind of the initial framework, etc. and you will perfect things and you will need to course correct as many times as needed, and that's fine. It's kind of, none of us is Steve Jobs or Elon Musk, you know, the genius uh, idea type of approach, it works from time to time, but generally speaking, it's through reiteration and changing and adjusting your initial uh, hypothesis that allows you to come up with, uh, with the right product. And if, if you take this with a humble approach and you have the right support from leadership, it's a very rewarding journey. So enjoy the process. It's not just about the final outcome. It's kind of on the process. You need to be patient, but kind of have fun doing that. Absolutely. So what's next for you and, and Gatorade? I think that on this service platform that we are working, I think that's what's next. Exactly how this articulates, honestly, I don't know. We are working <laughs> on that. But I think it's a super interesting space for us. Sports nutrition in general is very complex. So if you are able to simplify it for the everyday athletes, I think that there is something there. Probably the key question is, you know, how we will monetize that, if we will monetize it at all. So how this could become a business for us. I don't have the answer, but I have the question. So I'm particularly super interested on that. That said, what if the business is not just selling the product, it's just to provide the service, and then yeah, you know, consumers will opt to get the products or not. So and that should be fine. I think that this is where we're going as a brand. Javi, thank you very much for being on Inside Outside Innovation. If people want to find out more about Gatorade, your products, yourself, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, go to Gatorade.com. There is a lot out there. Or write me, xavi.cortadelas at pepsico.com. I love to hear from others. I love external ideas. I love advice. So, yeah, if, if you have ideas, bring them to me. Absolutely. Excellent. Thanks very much for being on the show. Thank you very much. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.